Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2311 with the release date of Friday, February 11th, 2022 to follow in 54321. The following is a QST, a peak moment for a soda activator in Argentina. A preeminent microphone company changes hands. And an APRS pioneer becomes a silent key. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2311 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's first independent on-the-air news and bulletin service. Now reporting from Charleston, West Virginia, here's Jim Dameron in a TMW. We begin this week's report with the story of a ham who has just achieved a peak experience atop another peak, this one in South America. Ed Durant, DD5LP, tells us about him. An Argentine amateur radio operator has accomplished the first HF activation of the highest peak in the Summits on the Air program, fulfilling a long-standing goal. On January 10th, Diego Les Araga LU9MZO operated from Acontagua, which is nearly 7,000 metres high and is the highest peak in the Americas. This is the first time any amateur radio operator has made contacts from Acontagua using one of the HF bands. The previous and first activation in 2019 was executed using 2 metres FM. According to report, he spent an hour and a half on the air using 40 metres and found time as well to work some stations on VHF and UHF. His total for the day was 64 contacts, with 15 of them on HF. He was heard as far away as Buenos Aires, San Luis and Mendoza provinces in Argentina as well as into Chile. His dream of operating from there on HF had been a few years in the planning, and the timing worked out well for him. As he descended from the peak to the base camp some 4,300 metres below, snow had already begun to fall. On January 12th, he returned to the entry of Acontagua Park, where he was cheered on by friends and relatives. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Ed Durant, DD5LP. In the United States, Heil Sound, which has been run by Bob Heil, K9EID, and his wife Sarah for decades, has been sold. The Heils announced the purchase of the well-known professional microphone company by Ash Levitt and Steve Warford. Ash, the company's president and CEO, and Steve, director of operations, are veterans of the business, having worked with Bob since they were teenagers. Bob will remain with the company as founder and CEO emeritus, continuing to do product design for the amateur radio market. Heil Sound has been in business since 1966. In India, a group of newly licensed hams is about to prep for the worst with a mock disaster drill. Graham Kemp, VK4BB, has those details. Civil Defence Volunteer Deepak Giri is awaiting his new call sign and a new assignment. He was recently among the more than two dozen volunteers who successfully completed the three-month amateur radio training course online with the Indian Academy of Communication and Disaster Management in West Bengal. Rinku Nagbiswas, the U2JFB Secretary of the Academy, is proud of all the graduates who, like Deepak, now face their next challenge, a mock disaster drill that will be held in March by the local government to test their capabilities in handling real-life crises. In a real disaster, such as a tornado, earthquake or cyclone, they'd be the first responders in an area near the Sundarban Forest which has no internet or mobile phone service. 
According to Ambarish Nagbiswas VU2J many of the academy students received their field training during January's Ganga Saga Mela, a religious pilgrimage that draws thousands to West Bengal from across India. Ambarish Bagniswas is secretary of the West Bengal Radio Club, whose hams have traditionally provided emergency communication during this massive gathering. In IARU Region 3, for Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Graham Kemp, VK4BB. The deep waters of the South Pacific have been chosen as the final resting place for the International Space Station in the years ahead, as we hear from Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF. The region is known as Point Nemo, the South Pacific Oceanic Uninhabited Area, and it's been selected by NASA as the final resting place of the International Space Station. The United States Space Agency intends to retire the space laboratory by 2031 by having it crash into this remote section of the ocean. While it is no surprise that plans were in the works for its retirement, NASA had been quiet until recently about its specific plans. The ISS was launched in 2000, and NASA has said in announcing its plans that it intends to keep the space station operational until the very end. Its experiments and its many contacts through the amateur radio on the International Space Station program have kept it and its more than 200 astronauts and cosmonauts in the spotlight over the years. NASA plans to yield the space station's position among the stars to commercial ventures. The final destination for the ISS is about 2,000 miles north of Antarctica and 3,000 miles off the eastern coast of New Zealand. Since 1971, it's been a place that has become home to space debris from other nations, including Russia and Japan. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF. Radio waves have been pinpointed as the source of some health issues suffered by U.S. diplomats overseas. Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, has that update. A panel of investigators working for United States intelligence agencies has concluded that highly directional electromagnetic pulses are partly to blame for a baffling set of brain injuries reported by American spies and diplomats working abroad as far back as 2016. The scientists' conclusions affirm one previous theory for what has come to be called the Havana Syndrome. The findings indicate the radio signals were transmitted by an external device, afflicting some Central Intelligence Agency officers and diplomats. The panel's probe did not include attempts to determine who was behind the transmissions of the pulsed electromagnetic energy. The syndrome takes its name from the first group of people who exhibited such symptoms while assigned to the U.S. Embassy in Havana, Cuba. Officials have said that similar symptoms have since been reported by Americans working for the U.S. government in 70 different countries. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Kent Peterson, KC0, DGY. A pioneer in the development of APRS has become a silent key. With those details, here's Neil Rep, WB9VPG. The developer of the Automatic Packet Reporting System, or APRS, has become a silent key. Bob Bruniga, WB4APR, died on Monday, February 7th, according to a post on AMSAT's Facebook page, quoting his daughter, Beth Ann. He had been battling cancer for two years and was also diagnosed with COVID-19, according to the post. More than a quarter century ago, Bob developed the now widely used packet radio technology that enables real-time tracking over ham frequencies. 
Bob, a U.S. Navy veteran, had also been senior research engineer at the U.S. Naval Academy's Small Satellite Lab in Annapolis, Maryland. He was the author of the book Energy Choices for the Radio Amateur, published by ARRL. Bob wrote on his QRZ page that his ham radio journey began in 1963 with the novice call sign WN4APR. He was a life member of the AMSAT organization and belonged to the IEEE National Committee on Transportation and Aerospace Policy. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. The original 75-kilowatt transmitter that went on the air for the first Voice of America broadcast 80 years ago this month is the centerpiece of a special event station celebrating that historic anniversary. The transmitter no longer works and is part of an exhibit at the VOA Museum in Westchester, Ohio. But there are plenty of working transmitters and transceivers to celebrate the day it went live on February 1, 1942. Hams will be calling QRZ as W3V, W8O, and W4A on February 19th and 20th from VOA sites in Washington, D.C., Westchester, Ohio, and Greenville, South Carolina. Jocelyn brought KD8VRX of the Westchester Amateur Radio Association, WC8VOA, said certificates will be available for anyone who works any and all of the three stations. There will also be digital QSL cards for each individual site as well as paper QSL. Be listening on CWSSB FT8 both days between 10 and 8 Eastern Time. For details, visit any of the three stations' pages on QRZ.com. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the W8GK repeater in Charleston, West Virginia, on Sundays at 8.30 p.m. local time after check-ins during the Kanawha Amateur Radio Club 2-meter net. It's time to apply for Youth on the Air Camp. Stephen Kinford, NAWB, explains how. The application period has opened for the Youth on the Air Camp being held June 12th through June 17th. Young amateurs in IARU Region 2, who are ages 15 through 25, are welcome to attend this year's camp, which will take place again at the National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting in Westchester Township, Ohio. Application deadline is March 1st, and the application process is free. Campers will be notified by March 15th if they are accepted, and those accepted will need to send a $100 deposit. The camp is encouraging young amateurs to attend from different areas of North, Central, and South America. For information about scholarships, waivers, and travel assistance, visit the website youthontheair.org. If there are changes in the COVID-19 pandemic status or CDC guidelines, organizers are committed to notifying everyone as much in advance as possible if that has an impact on the camp. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Stephen Kinford, N8WB. Meanwhile, a special honor is awaiting a young amateur who has shown extraordinary care and initiative in helping the community on and off the air. The Young Ham Lends a Hand contest is headed by Carol Perry, WB2MGP, Director of Youth Activities for the Radio Club of America. It is sponsored by the RCA and the Quarter Century Wireless Association. Any young amateur can be nominated for their volunteer efforts, whether the youngster has aided someone in the military, the community, a senior, or even has acted as a mentor to other amateurs. The application forms are due in by the 1st of April, and the winner receives a $100 stipend. 
The winner will be announced at the Youth Forum held at Hamvention in Xenia, Ohio. For details, contact Carol Perry, WB2MGP at gmail.com. If you're in the U.K., look for the release of the new band plans. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, tells us more. The band plans published each year by the Radio Society of Great Britain are now available. They're based on the band plans of IARU Region 1, but allow for national variations and special amendments. The 2022 plans can be found in the February edition of RADCOM, the RSGB's magazine. There's also a master version, published online as an Excel file, which includes all the notes of changes made. Acting on feedback from amateur radio operators, the Society has added new tabs in the Excel version, labelled by frequency, but hams who prefer the earlier version of labelling by wavelengths retain that option too. The band plan is expected to be reviewed during the course of the year. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. Bouvet Island and the Ingenuity Mars helicopter are just two topics awaiting guests at this year's QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo next month. Jack Parker, W8ISH, has more details. For insights into the planning of the Bouvet Island 3Y0JD expedition in November this year, or to hear how amateur radio and other technical pursuits can advance global technology, these are just two of the many presentations being offered at the next QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo. It's taking place on March 12th and 13th. Presentations will also include some hands-on guidance on operating and building techniques. In all, there will be more than 60 notable amateurs offering perspectives on at least 20 different topics. The keynote speaker is Courtney Duncan, N5BF, who recently retired from NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, where he worked on digital and radio frequency hardware and software for various space missions. His most recent project was the Ingenuity Mars helicopter, for which he was telecommunications lead. Tickets and additional details are available at QSO Today Ham Expo. That's one word, dot com. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jack Parker, W8ISH. In the world of DX, listen for Francis F6BWJ operating as FM slash F6BWJ from Martinique until mid-March. Hear him on 40, 30, and 15 meters using CW only. QSL to F6BWJ. Yuri VE3DZ is also on Martinique, operating as FM slash VE3DZ starting February 19th. Listen on all HF bands, where he'll be using CW, SSB, and FT8. You can also hear him in the ARRL DXCW contest February 19th and 20th, when he'll be using the call sign TO4A. He'll continue with the TO4A call sign until February 24th. QSL via VE3DZ to the home call sign via OQRS. On the French side of San Martin, you'll find Jeff VA3QSL operating as FS slash VA3QSL until the 22nd of February. He's operating holiday style on CW, SSB, and the digital modes on 40 through 6 meters. QSL to his home call sign via the Bureau or direct. You may also use Logbook of the World after he returns home February 22nd. 
Jean F4CIX is using the call sign FW1JG from Wallace Island, where he'll remain for the next two or so years. Listen on 40, 20, 15, and 10 meters, where he is using SSB and FT8. QSL Direct via Logbook of the World. Hams who are learning Morse code are often told it takes time before all those dits and da's develop a comfortable, familiar ring. But for one ham in Massachusetts, that comfortable CW ring didn't come for 29 years. When it did arrive, the ring didn't land on his ears, but on the fourth finger of his left hand. Mike Askins, KE5CXP, ends our newscast with that story. As Stephen Saluza, K1SAC, practices to master his CW, you might conclude that he's practically married to the study of the code. While he's certainly devoted to his radio journey, he's more devoted to Becky, his wife of 29 years. Becky understands the joy her husband takes in chasing POTA activators and QSOs during the slow-speed CW contests held by K1USN. So when his original wedding ring no longer fit and couldn't be enlarged because of its distinctive pattern, Becky, who's an artist, devised a creative solution. She designed a new ring for her husband. It features lotus flowers and bamboo stalks and a special secret Morse code message. Each flower stands for dit and each stalk represents da. She cast a sample of it in bronze which the couple took to a jewelry casting shop, which created the final ring in white gold. As for what its hidden message reads, well, it begins with the letter I, followed by the letter L. Well, when a couple's been married for 29 years, there's no further need for guesswork in copying that code. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Mike Askins, KE5CXP. With thanks to AMSET, Carol Perry, WB2MGP, CQ Magazine, David BR, K7DB, DX World Net, Heil Sound, the IEEE, Jocelyn Brought, KD8VRX, Ohio Pen DX, QRZ.com, QSO Today, Radio Society of Great Britain, Stephen Salusa, K1SAC, South African Radio League, SOTA, Southgate Amateur Radio News, shortwaveradio.de, West Bengal Radio Club, Wireless Institute of Australia, the YL Beam, Youth on the Air, and you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. You can write to us at newsline at arnewsline.org. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, non-profit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the News Desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Jim Dameron, NATMW in Charleston, West Virginia, saying 73. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2022, all rights reserved.